Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place, because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another BYN Breakdown. My name is Eric, I'm Travis's producer, and on today's episode we're hearing from three people who are at the top of their game in their careers and share big wins adjacent to the world of sports, either as participants or as facilitators from the outside. First up is Brett McCabe, a clinical and sports psychologist, sports psychology consultant to the University of Alabama Athletic Department and former national champion collegiate athlete. Next up is Darren Michael Prince, a sports and celebrity agent who grew up in Livingston, New Jersey. He started a mail order company selling baseball cards at the age of 14 called Baseball Card City and also traveled around the country doing trade shows. At the age of 20, he sold his company for $1 million and formed Prince of Cards which became an industry leader in private autograph signings for sports and celebrity memorabilia with athletes and celebrities. In 1995, Prince started a new venture called Prince Marketing Group, which represented athletes and celebrities for marketing deals consisting of endorsements, licensing, TV, movie, book deals, autograph signings, and appearances. If you ask Prince his biggest and most important accomplishment, he would tell you is being a recovering addict, having celebrated 10 years sober, and is a public recovery advocate and a speaker who has appeared on Dr. Oz. In 2018, Darren Prince released his memoir, Aiming High. Aiming High quickly became an international bestseller in four countries, and on October 6, 2018, made it to Amazon number one new release list. Last up is PJ Dixon, a motivational speaker and international life, love, and relationship coach who guides people toward positive results. 
Affectionately referred to as the love guru, Dixon has a pair of coaching programs on relationships and love. Not letting his wheelchair-bound disability stop him, he has been inducted into the National Hall of Fame for People with Disabilities, was nominated to carry the Olympic torch, started four disabled athlete programs, and founded two nonprofit organizations. Bruss can be talking about the competitive advantage and doing whatever it takes to win. Darren's going to share about experiencing one of the most iconic moments in sports history firsthand, and PJ is going to talk about how his disability has become his advantage. I hope we listen to the entire episode. Remember, if you enjoy the episode, be sure to screenshot and tag Travis at Travis Chapel on Instagram. All right, let's get into the episode. One of the things that gets me is in today's world, people always say trust the process, and I work for Alabama, and Nick Saban used that term a lot. When I was at LSU, we had trust the system. But the misnomer is that those coaches go trust the process, and that's just good enough. So people run around going, well, I mean, I just trusted the process. And I'm like, well, those coaches say trust the process so I can kick your butt. (laughs) And their job is to dominate you. All right, so they're using a process. The process is the vehicle. For most people, they say it's the goal. I just trusted the process. Well, for me as an athlete, it was all about whatever it took to win. We would do – and my coach, thankfully, I I sat with him a couple years ago at a reunion. He's 80 now, and – we were talking and I said, you know, coach, what was the thing you're most proud of as a coach? And he's like, well, I mean, you know, the, I said, yeah, I know the academics, the national titles, five titles, 10 years. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. AD at LSU. Okay. I get it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. He goes, my teams had the highest winning percentage in NCAA history under high pressure moments because I trained you guys for that. I didn't train. Most people train hoping that their material, their information is going to succeed when they get into the moment. I put you in the moment all the time. So you knew what you had when you got there. He said, our, pressure, our, our practices were intense. Our competition was constant competition. Our games were constantly monitored. You were constantly challenged. Because if you couldn't handle it, I didn't want to waste any more time on you. I wish you on your way. But I wanted guys that could handle the moment. And it may be walk-ons. We started a ton of I was a walk I was a preferred walk-on, a non-scholarship academic kid. But it didn't matter. If I could get it done, I got to play. So that competitive mindset, I got in the right environment that that competition was fostered, sharpened, and then I understood who I was in the moment so that I knew what to do and what to trust. Yeah, yeah. For for me, it's been such a big um, – so I wanted to ask that question because for for me, as far as sports playing into business, it's, it's helped me not only have um, – a competitive advantage over a lot of people who aren't used to competition, but it also, it also got me into the mindset to be able to always be looking for the way to win. As far as like, if, if I know that, if I know that this person over here that I'm competing against isn't willing to do this, I know that I am willing to do that because I I already did it right. Like it it gives me a boost in confidence because I can look back to when I played a lot of basketball and be like, Oh, you know what? When I do put my mind to something, I was the best and I outworked everybody and we did win championships and we did do this and we did do that. So now it's like a, it's like a point of reference that I can look back at now that I'm in business, even though, even though business and basketball don't have anything to do with each other, I can look back at it and just be like, okay, if I could do it there, if I could rise to the top there, then I can definitely do it here. Um, have you found that to be true? It is. And I think what athletes do though is, is they probably develop probably what we would call the three R's, right? Is, is they, they find, a certain level of resilience to work through anything to continue to fight for the ultimate goal. They find the relentless attitude to never stop until they find it or they keep competing, knowing that even if they solve today, tomorrow's a new opportunity. You're never going to get to the bottom line 
Um, and then the last thing is they're resourceful, is that they'll use what they have in whatever way that they have. I think where players, people get in trouble is they say, well, it has to be this way, right? It has to be done a certain way to be successful. When it's like, no, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Great athletes, great competitors in life, they'll figure a way out. It might be moving somebody who's in a non-traditional setting in their business to marketing, but they have a hunger for it. They don't look at the resume and say, well, I mean, you didn't go to the Wharton Business School, so you can't be a mar- – it's like I need somebody who's hungry. Right. I want somebody who's going to get it done. And that's what athletes are. It's like, look, if i got to move a second baseman to third to get the game better, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. If i got to put LeBron James down on the post, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And right. great athletes will go whatever it takes. Now, I think sometimes athletes – get a bad rap, but I think they bring it on themselves too by in today's world of athletics, things do come easy because things are giving at a higher rate because of the status. Um, you know, so they don't always have to work as hard, mm-hmm. um, for certain things. So they may sometimes get a little complacent, but great competitors are great competitors. It doesn't matter the setting there and they're going to figure it out. Um, I think if we look at business, great competitors are going to win no matter where they're at, they right. will win right. because, they're gonna, they're not going to sleep till they do it. Yeah, yeah. You take. Uh, it's always the funny thing when when people are talking about like wealth redistribution. If you if you if you distributed all the wealth evenly tomorrow, all the wealth in a, in America evenly between everybody in five years, it'd be back exactly where it sits right now because the well, people who did it are the people who can do it again. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like, like, like hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Well, psychologically, you know, entitlements of any kind, right, is we we assume by theory that people are going to have the same psychological motivation to achieve and to overcome. That's not true. Some people look at it and go, ooh, that's, that's sufficient. So, you know, so I, I look at my office and we've got a, a staff of probably eight 
people, not everybody is a salesperson. Not everybody is, you know, there are some people who are wonderful technicians and they look at their salary and they say, it's enough to live on. I'm happy to do this because it allows me to do other things. There's other people in my business. I've got a guy who is so valuable in my organization. We sat down, he's like, what's my take when I grow this business? I'm like, I love that question. Like for him, it's not about I'm going to make you this amount of money and I just want my regular bonus and I can get – I want to have some skin in the game and I want to get after it. Right. right. I love that. I mean that is a, that's a mindset I understand. So to your point, I remember sitting with my advisor in grad school. He's, we were talking about – I worked in a low-income charity setting for four years of grad school and providing health care and things. And, and my dissertation was on free medication. We had given them medication for diabetes for two years for free mm-hmm. to try to get them to improve their type 2 diabetes. Major, major health um, issue um, and expenditures in the health market, uh, health place. Um, and what we found was it didn't increase their adherence rates at all, giving them free medication. The number one reason why people didn't take their medicine it was because it was too expensive and it was free. Wow. <laughs> now, here's why. What happened was it, the cost of adhering to a healthy diabetic lifestyle is too expensive. Mm. So the medication is the easy answer. People, people always give you the easy answer. Like it's cost, can't afford it. When most people go, well, I'll discount the cost. You're not getting to the psychological reason as to why people don't want to change. Entitlements give them the money and assume that they're going to want to change. It's not the case. Some people in the low income settings don't feel that they have, they'll have a fair shake because many don't. Some people don't feel that they will be successful given that responsibility because They've messed up things in the past. Some people don't want to do the extra work. I mean, they're lazy. It just means, is it worth all this work is going to be worth the sacrifice? Maybe not. Some people, you know, there's a lot of reasons. That, so what happens is people look at their current state and go, it's okay. Right. It's good right. enough. And so they stay there. And it takes certain, I mean, if everybody was an entrepreneur in this world, we wouldn't have any, we wouldn't have static Fortune 100 businesses because mm-hmm. people would look at them and they'd run them in the ground because they get bored. That's why I always use an example like, you know, Joe Torre was a great manager, right, in Major League Baseball. But he wasn't that good at the two previous stops. He did okay with the Braves. He was horrendous as a Cardinals guy because I was a Cardinal fan. He goes to the Yankees, and he's one of the best managers ever. Goes to the Dodgers, wasn't very good. The reason was he was able to adapt to that scenario, and he was a perfect match. Hmm. Buck Showalter has built four teams. He built the Yankees and got fired. They brought in Torre. They win. He built the Diamondbacks. He gets fired. Bruce Bochy – or um, – Bob Brindley comes in, wins. He builds the Rangers, gets fired. Ron Washington comes in, gets them to the World Series. They were perfect matches for guys that had been coached really, really hard to come in and kind of take pressure off, and they played great. Hmm. So people have to look at this as everybody has different experiences. Everybody has different um, you know, ex- ways of going about it. Right. And income distribution is people have to have a deep want to get out of where they are and get away from the natural comfort. The natural comfort is what keeps us where we are. That's why when we look at money, cost is never the reason why people don't make a change. I do miss if I didn't mention it. Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali meeting. Can you give us an overview of of that story? It's such a legendary, timeless moment. It's it's so special. I never get sick of talking about it. In fact, the girl that I'm seeing, she just had her family at my place a little while ago, and I had to ask the dad because I love speaking to men overseas that are over 50 to, to get their perspective what Ali Frazier meant. Yeah. And the engagement, and you saw the picture. It just He knew where he was on March 8th of 1971. That's the great. world stopped that night. Wow. 
It was the only time that Vietnam War stopped when Ali and Frazier got in the ring, the two greatest undefeated heavyweight kings. Yeah. That's how impactful they were, politically, culturally, historically. It was so much more than boxing. So it's something that always, uh, you know, it's so near and dear to me. And the crazy part about it is I talk about it in the book, you know, I was, I was in the right mindset for it because I still had that imposter syndrome. Mm. So I had the relationship with both of them. I knew this historic happening was going down. I got a call from Lonnie Ali, and she said, Muhammad wants to have dinner with you guys. Can you, Joe and Marvis, come? And Joe was in the mood. He was ready. To, he was ready. He was in Philadelphia, his hometown. He felt comfortable. He didn't think Ali was going to screw him over. Because mm. you tried to set him. it up before that. And, tried setting up, yeah. and Joe, Joe, Joe wouldn't do it. They wanted to take us to the Ali premiere and ride in the limo with Will Smith mm. and Muhammad. And Joe went nuts. He wanted no part of it. It was the really? only time I ever got in a fight with him over wow. the phone. Hung up on me. And, yeah, he did, the hurt was so bad. The distrust was so bad. That's great. And he goes, you tell that motherfucker. If he wants to meet me, it's got to be on my goddamn turf. I'm like, <laughs> make it sound like you guys are still fighting. He goes, yeah. I'll knock that son of a... It's like, all right, all right, all right. I, and I, I just let it go. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I got the call. And I had to go back to the room for a couple hours to get changed. And the only thing I knew how to do was to get high. Okay. Because I couldn't believe this was going down. Yeah. So I, I chopped up a bunch. Of, I chopped up a bunch of Percocets and Vikings, and I snorted them. Mm. Um, because how could Darren Prince, you know, this Jewish kid with a learning disability from suburbia, New Jersey, mm. be in a position right now where Nelson Mandela, presidents, the biggest musical stars, athletes on the planet, would do anything to be in that room? How am I the one yeah. that's orchestrating this right now? And um, I didn't feel worthy for a second, yet these yeah. two kings, kings of kings, yeah. loved and respected me more than I ever loved and respected myself. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's an insane lesson right there. Huge yeah. takeaway. Can, can you, at that point then, when, because I know initially they sat together in the stands, right? But you were sitting in the middle of I, it. I was sitting dead center courtside with them. Yeah, yeah. And so Joe leans over to you and says what? So we walk into the stadium. It's nuts. Diddy's there with his son Justin at the time, Jay-Z, Beyonce. It was mayhem. Justin Timberlake, Dayton, Britney Spears. Everyone's trying to get near them. Plus all the NBA and, uh, stars. You know, I got Michael Jordan at center court with Alan Iverson and Kobe, and they're like this. They're looking at us like they just can't even believe what's going on. And so, But what happened was first I walk in, and it's me, Joe, and my boy Nick Cardasco is one of my business partners and agents. So I'm in C2. Joe's in seat three and Nick's in seat four. Place is going bananas when Joe walks in. Lionel Richie, I mean, everybody's attacking him. So we had to get security around him to keep the celebrities away because it got so bad. Wow. It's his hometown. He's the king of Philly, mm. you know? And um, all of a sudden you start hearing the chant. And there was nothing like him. I've been in the building with him. I've seen the biggest stars in the world become kids. You hear the Ali. Ali, Ali, and he's coming, he's shaking, he's got this red polo sweater on, and I mean, he's with Howard Bang, his best friend, his late photographer who just passed away, and man, it was just to be there, and then Muhammad sits right down next to me. I was like, I can't believe this is in 145 countries right now, and he goes like this to me, and Howard leans over, gives me a fist pound, I'm freaking out. By the way, I was high, because again, how, do I, how can I deal with this? You have to have the high Joe leans over. I'll never forget it. I go, yeah, he goes, your boss, man. This is what he call me. He goes, switch with me. And I'm out of my effing mind. I'm like, oh, my God, it's going down right here. 
I literally start crying. Even Nick, we're just like, oh my God, like I can't believe now for the world to see. And so now it's Joe Muhammad, Alicia Keys is singing the um, America the Beautiful, and she looks at both of them like this, just blowing kisses, because she can't even believe that she's got this opportunity now. But it took over the game. It took over the biggest all-star game in all the sports. And Muhammad's holding up Joe. Vice versa, just holding up Muhammad, and I mean they're totally entwined, and um, everybody sits, and because it was a little bit hard for Muhammad to sit because he was overweight, and Joe had to lock his leg in. He was bloated from the medication for Parkinson's. They would literally last you standing, and the spotlight just goes on, wow. and um, the place erupts. Everybody gets up again. You see Michael and Diddy comes over with his son, and they, they were just this is just history, yeah. and. Uh, the classiest, most beautiful man I ever met in my life. Bahamut goes like this. This is tough for me to get out, but he goes, champ. And Joe leans over, he goes, yeah, champ. I was like, oh my God, they just acknowledge each other the highest respect to call each other champ in that yeah. moment. And, wow. and back and forth was just, he goes, we're still two bad brothers, aren't we? And I was like, oh, it was just so, they were just- It was like a movie script. They were, I've seen Pacino, De Niro, Spielberg, Dustin Hoffman, Mel Gibson. I've seen them all, like literally little kids around these guys. Yeah. So, so when I see other celebrities now that don't have that cooth, that, that, that way to deal with your fans, like right. it, it, it was just most, I mean, they were just cut from a different cloth. They, they were just so classy. They were the first ones to get to an airport. Every single kid, every single autograph, every single photograph, they would spend time with people. They, they knew where they were kings for a reason, yeah. you know? Yeah. And... Um, they changed the world, you know, just to, to experience that in that moment, just to see the conversations that was going on and, and the luck and their holding hands. And it, it was, you know, still to this day, it's, it's the greatest professional experience I'll ever have. One of the biggest things that I've been learning recently is how important our mindset is. And, um, and if you've read the book, Think and Grow Rich, I mean, you, it's hard to argue um, that point. Um, and hearing this story, I think the one thing that just keeps, um, throwing itself out at me is mindset and how important it is, how crucial it is to believe a certain way and to think a certain way, because that's ultimately going to determine who you are and what you get out of life. Mm -hmm. Um, and even if you're not dealt a fair hand that you thought you should have been dealt, um, mm-hmm. The fact that you can sit there and look at life in a beautiful, loving, mm-hmm. abundant way, mm-hmm. that's what you're going to get out of life because mm-hmm. that's how you perceive life to be. And man, just so, so much good stuff there, PJ. I, I, would, I would like to really uh, uh, dive a little bit further into that story because it's such, sure, such an sure. amazing story. But I know, that, um, I know that we're running short on time here, so I do want to shift the conversation and talk about what uh, the show is about, about networking, about building relationships, which is ultimately what you've basically been doing for a living since, you know, mm-hmm. well, since eighth grade. Um, and so, uh, so I kind of, kind of want to double, uh, double down on that and, and kind of dive deep into, into how you've been able to grow relationships with some awesome people. And, um, you and I met because of a mutual friendship that we had, um, with mm-hmm. John Lee Dumas at, mm-hmm. uh, speaking when, when you were speaking at thrive, uh, a, a yes. few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so having those kinds of relationships and, um, and, I know you have some with Cole and some of those other guys that were speaking and um, uh, such an incredible circle of people. Can you kind of talk to us about um, how, it, how you were able to cultivate some of those relationships and, um, and what, what kind of process you go through when you meet somebody and, and how you follow up? Absolutely. So 
let's start with the fact that I have a grossly unfair advantage because of my disability, right? <laughs> and because I don't let my disability keep me down, people are like, wow, what's that little dude doing? Like, I met JLD, uh, John Lee Dumas, at um, a Life on Fire event with Nick Unsworth. Hmm. <clears throat> and um, I met him after walking on glass with my hands and breaking a board with my head. Um, <laughs> such a great way to introduce the conversation. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So, um, you know, that when it's a little dude in a wheelchair pushing his, his wheelchair uh, with his hands in glass and so not really having the ability to um, bend his arms and, you know, kind of work the shoulders, but rather having to change the angle and your hands could slip through the glass and cut you wide open and you're pushing a wheelchair and then, you know, you're giving it everything you've got to drive the, your head through that board, right? I think that sometimes leaves a little bit of an impression uh, <laughs> compared to somebody who's like, hey, man, my name is PJ. You know what I mean? Right. So I have, this, right. I have a gross disadvantage um, or gross advantage, actually, as a the phrase. So, um, moving on with that though, when, because of the way I was raised, my mom raised me with this attitude that if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're right. Mm. And that's the Henry Ford quote. And so because of that, I've never really perceived my disability. And sometimes some of my friends are like, you do know you're disabled, right? And that's what impresses people. I was like, Dude, I don't, I don't know that I'm disabled. No, I forget that. And so for me, it's the process that um, I don't quit. And whether you're disabled or able-bodied, if you don't quit, one, and two, you identify what it is in your life that you really truly want to do, and you're actually living that with passion and enthusiasm, other people are drawn to you. And they're drawn to you because other people are not living that way and they want to live that way. And so when you inspire them, they want to be connected with you. And when they want to be connected with you, all that you have to do is allow some space for them. Love them up. Give them some time. Make them um, one of the people – make them, in fact, the most important person in your world in that moment. When I was at Thrive, um, I was very, very fortunate to come off stage and be surrounded by people most of the time. Like I, I literally probably missed 50% of all of the speakers after Thrive because of that. And it was wonderful for me because one, I love to connect with people. And two, it gave me a chance to love each single, each and every one of them mm. and spend time with everybody and find out who are you and tell me about you and what are you interested in. And, it's, um, and let people know that they matter. And so for me, that's one of the key points about networking. When you let somebody know that they matter, then there's, there's nothing that they won't do for you, hmm. right? When they feel like you truly care about them, and this isn't artificial. Like I literally yeah, wanted right, that person right. to know that I cared. <clears throat> Excuse me. Forgive me. And then literally the last night of Thrive after you know the event was over, I had a guy come up to me. And he was talking to me in the restaurant and he couldn't look at me and he kept looking away and he was tearing up and he'd look at me and, and he'd look back away and he would tear up. And I said, are you okay, buddy? And he said, I've never, I've never had anybody look at me. I've never had anybody look at me like, like you're looking at me. I've never had anybody see me. And it broke my heart. It broke mm-hmm. my heart, Travis, because I don't ever want anybody to feel slighted. I don't ever want anybody be, to be forgotten. And so if you are the disenfranchised person in the room, I'm going to find you because I care about you and I need and want you to know that somebody cares about you. And I would say 
when I was there at Thrive, um, talking to everybody, I would say when I got done talking with them or when they got – the truth is when they got done talking with me, I would say, hey, as long as you know me, you will always have at least one friend in the world. And I gave people my direct phone number, buddy. I gave people my email. I allowed myself to be accessible. I allowed myself to be a human being. And then after Thrive, a couple of days later, there was a message that was posted on Facebook, not even on my Facebook page. I don't. Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It was posted somewhere on Facebook that I saw. And this woman said, PJ is the real deal. I wish I could read it to you. If I had uh, Facebook open, I'd read it to you. It just basically said, PJ is the real deal. When he sat down after his speech and spoke to every single person that came up to him and he spent so much time with them and made every single person feel like they mattered, she said it was unbelievable how much PJ truly cared. Hmm. That's the truth, Travis. There's nothing more to it. If you truly care about somebody, that's what you do. And then how do you follow up? That was part of your question, right? Mm -hmm. If they reach out to you, I told everybody – I said, hey, if I if you reach out to me and I don't get back to you right away, I invite you to reach out to me two or three days later. Understand I travel a lot and um, I've got a lot going on. So um, I do want to talk to you and I definitely want to stay connected. So just reach out again. I invite you to reach out. You are not bothering me. I let everybody know that it was okay, but I also let everybody know that I'm a pretty busy guy um, and I will definitely get to you as soon as I possibly can. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.